dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. All of us want to make a difference for Christ in our culture today, but most of us don't know where to begin. A wide variety of issues competes for our attention. One thing the Catholic Church has consistently argued is that the family is the root of society. As the family goes, so the world will go. Maybe this is why, for the Catholic Church, so much attention is spent on developing family ties. Why is this so, however? And what importance should we give the family in our own efforts to transform the culture for Christ today? All right, everybody, welcome back. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad we can have this chance to talk together about something as serious and as important as transforming our culture for Christ, okay? So we all know that this is what we're trying to do. This is what Christians are sent into the world to do, and we do it by many means. Not all of them are confrontational, and not all of them need to be anything polemical. I mean, remember that by doing something positive, like built working in a hospital, or for that matter, organizing the books correctly at the library. I mean, whatever we're doing is something that's, if it's done well, and it, it is something that impacts the culture in a positive way. And we who are Christians are called to do those things. So sometimes we, we equate Christianity and our faith in our world today with, with protesting or taking positions that are unpopular. And that's not necessarily the case. Most of the time, in fact, we spend our witness for Christ by simply doing the jobs that he's put us there to do. I mean, if we're selling real estate, that's a noble and, and important role for keeping our society just, for helping uh, keep evil at bay by having unscrupulous characters not be allowed to operate. There's all kinds of things. That, something even like that uh, has a huge impact for and why we need Catholics to be in real estate, just like we need Catholics to be in banking, Catholics to be in medicine, Catholics. I mean, we, we need to be wherever we are for Christ it is a spot where we work by bringing the world to him through our talents and our services. So I, I wanted you to right off the bat, get this in your, in your mind squarely, that your job is not neutral. Your job is, is part of God's plan for this world. Unless you have a bad job, in which case, <laughs> get a good one. <laughs> but if you have a career, like most of you do, your career is actually a huge opportunity for God to use you as his instrument to continue to bring people the goods and services that they need to make their life positive, all right? So by just by doing good things, we are transforming the world for, for Christ, and we are making the world be improved. So therefore, get to your jobs and do them well, okay? That's the first point. It's just that all of us know that there's more to it that we want to do. We want to see the world transformed, and some of us are in a position where we can, in fact, exert a lot of influence for the good of society in ways that transcend our career or our employment. And here I want to bring a point to bear that's of crucial importance. The wisdom of 2,000 years of Christianity that's present inside the Catholic Church 
points all of us to one key fight, which is the fight that is the most important for transforming our culture. And it's the fight for the family. Now, this is important because most of us think of our families as almost like the fight that's impossible to win <laughs> because the kids are crazy and life is busy and marriage is hard and it's so much easier just to go to work every day where at least we have a clear-cut goal, immediate rewards, a sense of justice, things that we can control. I mean, it's, there's a lot you can't control in business, but at the same time, gosh, if things go wrong, you, you can at least pull some levers and do something. But when it comes to human relationships, a lot of us stumble because in relationships, we can't hide our own weaknesses. Our kids see everything. They see everything. And everything that we do ends up impacting them. And so sometimes we do things that aren't necessarily the most positive of things. And we just don't want to deal with the fact that, well, our own choices have caused negative outcomes with our family. That's just too hard for us. And yet we all know somewhere deep inside that actually the most profound reflection of our character is going to be our home life. I guess I'd just like to say, instead of looking at that as a necessarily a negative, why don't we look at that for, as a positive opportunity? What if I were to say that the fact that I'm going to work on my character and myself will have a redounding effect to the positive on my family is actually a good thing for my career as well. In a Catholic worldview, there's a unity between what we do at work and what we do at home. That unity is you, right? So that's what's so neat about it. By becoming sanctified, coming closer to Christ, growing in virtue, having holiness in your heart, praying every day, you, you impact the world of your family and your world at work because the two are united by the worker who is present there. And that's a, such a neat way to look at it. Think about what you do at work every day as practice for what you do at home. I think there's a tremendous power in thinking of your employees and your colleagues at work as someone else's mother, someone else's father, someone else's brother, that the, the relationships that they have with us at the workplace ought to be things that purify and uplift the people that are there so that they can go home to their home life and leave them live them even better. And if we're the employer in that situation, well, it's really incumbent upon us to watch over the culture of the workplace so that the people grow in respect and in virtue. I mean, the simple fact is for many of our employees, work is the safest most stable, most reliable place in their life where, where they can be respected and uplifted and spoken to with dignity, where they do things that they're proud of. This is very important to keep this in mind. Our businesses, in other words, are not just there to make money. Our businesses are there to make culture. Let's remember that. And that's what's so beautiful about it also is we defend the free market and we defend capitalism, and not, not, of course, in an unbridled fashion, but at its foundation, what it allows us to do is, is have places where society gets to be cleansed by the good business practices and the sound ethical guidance that's found at the heart of that productive endeavor that we call business. I mean, what an opportunity for a Catholic business owner to do great things for God and for his world and for his fellow human beings by making sure that, well, I don't know, when you come to the business office, you're greeted, you're called by name. You're shown that you have respect. You're given good tools. Your working conditions are clean. You're rewarded for your labors. I mean, you get to look back and take stock of what you've done. There's so many wonderful things that can be done in the workplace when it's managed correctly. 
And that's your job. That's why God has made you professionals and it called you to a career as a lay person. It's to bring the gospel into the fabric of our world by bringing the gospel into the world of work. And if you don't do it, well, no one will. And I personally don't want to be around a country that has whose found economic foundations are rooted in a system that's alien to the gospel. I think that's going to lead us to all kinds of trouble. Which is one of the reasons why I, as a priest, have started to do the ministry that I do at the St. John Leadership Network. We, we get out there because I realize that the family is under attack from the world of work. And that when we let the world of work go without competent business leaders or professionals who are grounded in their faith, the value systems that are present in that huge sector of our human endeavor and of our society end up becoming antithetical to the value systems of the family. In order to preserve the family, we need to preserve the workplace. And in order to make the family be enhanced and grow, we need to enhance and grow respect and values in the workplace. So anyone who's got freedom there, if you own your company or you're managing a team or you've got any kind of leverage whatsoever, realize that it's very important to leverage that for Christ. If we don't, what will end up happening is that the economy will eat itself. This is exactly what's happened over and over again in history. If the economy doesn't have a bridle put on it called moral and ethical values coming from a transcendent source, then the government will step in instead and supply the, the, the norms and the values that it finds expedient. And in the end, the government serves the economy and therefore the economy creates its own laws. This is where the family then gets chewed up. And instead of being able to rear your children at home in the way that you feel that you know best or the way that you could choose to work or not to work or the hours of the work day, the hours of the work week, all those things are suddenly made arbitrary because the only thing keeping them in place is a just and correct vision of the human person that doesn't come from the economy itself, but that comes from a greater spot. And of course, we're saying that comes from God and the beautiful plan that he has for each one of us. This is why Christians need to engage in that great world of work with zeal and zest, because not only will we thereby save work, but we'll save the human dignity of the worker who works there for the sake of his family. Would you like to hear more from Father Nathan? Join the St. John Leadership Network and receive a two-minute glance at the gospel every Sunday morning right to your phone. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org member and join for free today. So something strikes me whenever I look at the, the thought of Catholicism or Christianity in general about social change, and that is that the Christian message is consistent. The family is the cell of society. Cell, C-E-L-L, -L, right? Like the, the most foundational part of a living thing. So looking at the world as a living organism, so to speak, of relationships and constructs and development in different ways, the foundational aspect of it, according to the Christian thought and the Catholic Church's consistent teaching, is the family. Now this is important because most of us would say, well, no, it's not, it's the individual. I mean, if you look at America, we, our legal code goes back to each individual citizen. When you turn 18, you become a citizen, which means that you now have rights and obligations to the society to which you freely, voluntarily ascribed. And that might be what it might be in terms of practicality. I'm not here to, to judge that or say it's not good or this or that. 
But I will say that there's a deeper vision because what happens before you're 18? What is your status as a minor in this world? Don't you exist already? I mean, how can we say that the basis of society is the individual citizen when each individual citizen is a product of the family? Right? There might be something myopic about the view that's, that reduces our understanding of our world to the product of individual efforts. In fact, every individual's effort has been inspired by, nurtured by, comes from his or her roots in their culture, in their family. Okay, I mean, like, it's, it's obvious. You look at anyone. Not only are we totally dependent on our mother and father for the first, what, eight years of our life in every aspect of our life, but on top of that, our deepest form of education doesn't come from what we learn in school. It comes from all of the education we get at home. And so we see, we can see there's a, there's value to the Catholic position that says, yes, individuals might have importance in terms of legal considerations, but the, when it comes to where the culture really is generated, there's no question it's the family. And that means that our understanding of what it means to be an advocate for Jesus Christ in cultural issues today has to be grounded in the worldview that puts family as the top priority. I mean, I just think it's interesting, you know, to, when you think about that, there's some people that don't do that. They, they think of it differently. They choose not to, to have that perspective. But I always just scratch my head saying, have you never spent time in a family? I mean, don't you see how the children are, are like little sponges that just absorb everything in that environment? Well, those same children that are absorbing that environment are going to be creating the environment of the future. Which is why as the family goes, so the world will go. Because the people that are in charge of the world all came from a family. And there are things done in families that simply cannot be done anywhere else. I mean, I understand there's a lot of value to, to government uh, social projects and support and all kinds of initiatives made by the government to take care of its citizenry. There's lots of value in that. I think that we're better off for having government help us as we support individuals who are on the fringes of society. I'm not saying anything to, to put that down, but I am offering a different perspective to say, could the government ever do or ever supply what a mother or a father being healthy and in a good dynamic could supply? And I think the answer is no. I mean, we could come close. We could do good things. Thank goodness for orphanages and for schools and for medical clinics and all these things. They're very, very important. And yet the services they provide are an extension of the services that are found in a family. In a family, we care for one another. In a family, we take care of people from the womb to the tomb. In the family, we feed. In the family, we educate. In the family, we teach people their foundational skills for their life. But even more than that, I mean, we could train them for their career. We could train them for their skill set that they need to survive in the bigger world. Foundationally, at the basis of every society is this institution of the family by which all of the skills necessary for human life are supplied and in which all of the love and the, the needs of human life can be met. Now, of course, our modern American families are different. We, we have a different lifestyle. But at the same time that we go back to it, the one thing that you always will have is a family. And if that family is busted or isn't there for you, as sad as that is, 
It also is it's something that you're going to have to struggle with because you're missing something that's essential and good for your life. And so we can reach out to other aspects. We can find other ways to balance it out, and we do. The human person is a very creative thing. But the ideal that we're looking for, okay, not doesn't happen in every case, but the ideal that we should be fighting for is a place where all of our needs are met by people who are committed to us by bonds that are deeper than any legal arrangement or social contract. And in fact, in the Christian worldview, the bonds are rooted in God's love himself. That God's very love is what binds me to my brothers, sisters, my parents, and my children. I mean, could we do any better than that? Is there anything greater than saying that God's very love is what supplies for all my needs throughout my life? The answer is no, and that love is found in the family. Would you like to start your Thursday mornings with a scriptural leadership lesson? Join the St. John Leadership Network, where Father Nathan hosts a 30-minute call at 6.30 a.m. in all four U.S. time zones. To learn more, go to www.stjohnleadershipnetwork.org slash member and join for free today. We've already covered how the Catholic Church's teaching is that the family is the root of society. It's the cell. Right? And that the health of the family will dictate the health of the world around it. And we said how important that is. But like concretely, what does this mean for you and me at a practical level? Right? If we're trying to fight for the family, promote the family, what does that look like? Well, this is where it gets fun. Because you are all in a family. Either your fathers or your mothers, your brothers, your sisters. That every human being has a family. Now, I know that there are some people who, social, for different social circumstances, don't find themselves able to exercise their family ties. But they can create ties that are similar to that with other people around them. All of us belong to these networks that are so important, that are foundational for our sense of identity, where we belong, where, whence we receive our name, and where we find our mission. Now, as a Christian trying to promote the family, this means that I have an opportunity to be very creative. What are the assets that are in my family? This being really practical. If I could sit down with my spouse, for example, if I'm married, and, and go through, you know what? We have a house. We have a pool. We have a big backyard. We have a dog. We have a living room. We have a television set. We have a nice kitchen. I mean, we can make a whole list of things. We have grandparents. We've got relatives that are near. We have access to the library. I mean, you, if you were to make a list of all the things that you could leverage to do great things with, well, the list could be quite extensive. And that's pretty creative. I mean, it's pretty neat to be able to sit back and think about that. Now, would it be neat to dream together? Hey, honey, what could we do together that would utilize the beautiful family that we have, the, the resources that we have to make the world a better place? Right? I mean, like, I mean, why not? Why not just have a brainstorming session? You can even bring all the kids in together, have a little family huddle in the living room and say, kids, here, we have all these things. What could we do with them? And let the kids dream with you about what you could do to make this world better with your family. I'll tell you what, I mean, the first thing that you should do as parents, of course, if you are parents, and that's to, to plan what you could do to make your own family life better strategically. I mean, do an analysis between the two of you to say, hey, where are the kids struggling the most? What is it that, where are they at psychologically? Where are they at emotionally? What's the one thing that we could do that would gel this family even more? It usually comes down to the same things. Mom and dad spending more time with them. Well, if that's the case, then why not schedule it? 
You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I know a family that who, whose dad actually scheduled a meeting with one of his children for one half an hour every week. He just said, I can't go by without having a one-on-one good quality conversation with each one of my children. I'm not going to let that happen. So every week, you know, so they did rotation. There was five kids in the family. They rotated through it. But every week, dad sat down for 30 minutes with one of his children and actually visited with dad. That was the whole idea, just talking together. And, he, you know, he does the math on this. At the end, after several years, he spent many, many hours in individual conversation, quality conversation with each one of his kids. Now, wh- who wouldn't want that? Of course we all want that. That's the most beautiful thing. What did it take? It took him putting it on the calendar. Well, the same way if, I mean, mom and dad, you sit there and say, well, we want to spend more time with you. You can do it. Sometimes we've given too much access, just frankly put, to sports and other activities, which have then interrupted everything we could possibly do with the family. And all we do is just drive the kids from one activity to the next. And while that might have value, and I get it, we can't also allow that to just be an absolute. I mean, there has to be a time where you simply say, we're going to spend more time with the kids because our family needs it. And when the family starts to become healthy in that way, and the the relationships really become abundant and rich, guess what happens? Your family starts to shine. We can influence then other families around us by the values that we have within us. I mean, I'll just give you a really silly example, right? There's obviously much more serious things we could talk about, but just one that's really practical, and anyone who has kids knows this is the, the case. If you don't allow your children to use certain words at home, like bad words, bad language, when they go over to sleepovers at their friend's house, guess what? Your kids won't use the language that they're not allowed to use, even if all their little friends do, even if other families do. Your kids will know, no, we don't do that. And they'll bear witness to the other children that they don't speak that way. Isn't that neat? Your family is now radiating into other families and being a good example of good and proper usage of the English language. And there are many other and even better examples than that. I'm thinking of a family that I knew that had a basketball court. Really simple thing. They had a basketball court. Well, the mom and dad decided that since they had five teenage boys, they were going to play basketball with the boys at the court. Well, so what happens? Of course, the boys all invite their friends. And before you know it, you've got something like 50 or 60 teenage boys that are coming over to play basketball at this person's house. Why? Because they decided to let the culture of the family radiate out through society. Now, this family was particularly astute because then they invited a priest to say mass for the boys before the basketball game. And then the priest was instructed by the dad very quietly on the side, preach about chastity. So that's exactly what the priest did. So now you've got a great example. You've got now 50 to 60 teenage boys hearing a homily about chastity and receiving the sacraments, praying before mass, all because a family decided to lead through their family to make an impact on the bigger culture around them. I've seen the same thing happen with other families with campfires. They say, well, you know what? Why would we let our kids just always go out to movies or go and do other things as if they couldn't do anything at home? So they started hosting campfires in the backyard with their kids and their kids' friends and investing the time and the money they needed into it to make the campfires something that were really attractive 
And of course, wonderful things took place. Things can happen in the context of a family and make an impact in the lives of other families that simply cannot happen anywhere else or by any other means. Take, for example, when someone gets sick and they're, they're in desperate need for all kinds of different things, from managing the kids, to managing their meals, to managing even the communication with all the people that are around them. No state's gonna be able to do that. No government's gonna step in, but other families can make it their priority to serve by their families the needs of the families that are sick or that are in a position of, of dire need. It's not something that we do just because we feel like it. It's something that we do because we realize the commandment of Christ to love one another flows in and through our families as much as it flows in and through our individual hearts. That's why I would like for you to think through with your spouse, what could we do to make this world better leveraging the culture that we have inside of our family because you're going to find areas that no one else will be able to touch people's lives that no one else will be able to minister to i'm thinking for example of people who come to talk to me as a priest about things that i really can't be the balm to help them with but they have no one else to go and confide in except the priest from a death of a child in a family, to a miscarriage, to infertility, to terrible divorce situations, alienation of the children, whatever it is, they come and confide into the priest, but I think to myself, what you really need is someone to play cards with. What you really need is someone to sit down with on the back porch and talk while the sun goes down. What you really need is the joyful sounds of little children around you again. You know, there's all kinds of different things that only families can supply. And it always makes me th think, gosh, I wish that families would go to their pastors and literally tell the pastor, what can we do as a family to help you in your service as a priest to build up other families around us? I guarantee you, he'll have ideas from couples that are in difficulty that could use you as a mentor to hosting different types of festivities at your house. One time I went to a Christmas party, true story. They invited all the priests over to the Christmas party that I lived with. And there was like, you know, six or seven of us that came over there. And we were all expecting, you know, to kind of be at the center of the party as the honored guests. But in fact, no, the honored guests were people that this family had invited because they knew that these people would have no one else to celebrate Christmas with. We had someone from the nursing home there. We had shut-ins that otherwise couldn't get out. We even had someone from the Muslim faith who was a doctor in residence at the hospital and simply had no one to celebrate Christmas with. This family had gone out of their way, literally looking for people to bring the good news to into their own family celebration for Christmas. Now, is that not ever the neatest thing? That's, what if, that's the importance of the family for society. And that's what leadership looks like if you really want to impact the culture for Christ. Make your family a vibrant foyer of love, a furnace of love to warm up and to heal a broken and cold world and everybody out there who needs that love and will be able to find it from your family. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at communications at stjohninstitute.org. That's communications at stjohninstitute.org. And visit www.stjohninstitute.org and sign up for our newsletter to receive updates from Father Nathan.